Welcome to Monday through Friday, Cellular Agriculture for a Pandemic-Free Future. My name is George Ortega. This is episode number 20, and we're recording on um, Monday, August 3rd at 10.35 p.m. Eastern Standard. And initially, I was going to um, start this episode with a video that I just watched actually a couple of times yesterday, YouTube video. And the, the relevance of it is it, it brought together, you know, some very, very knowledgeable people about um, vaccines, about influenza, you know, viruses. And, um, and it, it was such an amazing presentation. I just wanted to start with it. Now, I'm going to try to share clips from it because some of the statements that are made on there are so intelligent or so you know visionary in a way but like just uh, i need to i need to just uh, determine there's there's a way of sharing information that's called the fair fair use act in other words like let's say the the video is about an hour long so i can take 15 percent of that i mean i probably wouldn't take that much but and and just show you that for educational purposes without you know needing permission from this this actually was a forum that was conducted by the milken institute that's, that's, you know, financing a lot of work on vaccines. So let me just share my screen as I, um, as I, you know, just explain our, so again, it's called, you know, and th again, I would so highly recommend this. You know, it's called Making Influenza History, the Quest for Universal Vaccine. And the relevance of this is that, um, you know, as, as I've been explaining, this is not, a one in 100 year event. This, you know, the, the prevalence of these outbreaks has increased dramatically since, you know, the 2000s and even before then there were, it was increasing. So, so again, like the important thing is like Anthony Faust Fauci, you know, he was, you know, he's a, you know, one of the, one of the people on the panel. And you know, again, you, you know how he's like, you know, he's probably the top authority on infectious diseases and all that. So, and one of the things that he said, you know, like they're working for a universal vaccine, but his estimate, and I'm glad that I, I got his, you know, kind of like perspective on this, because I believe he is the top authority. He said, we're probably, you know, at least 10 years away from a universal vaccine. You know, anyway, so like, let me just, all right, let me end the share. So again, I would, I would so highly recommend your, um, your, watching this this video and i'm going to try to uh i'm going to try to share um portions of it you know in, in future um, episodes but so that's you know um anthony fauci you know just made it pretty clear that uh even to get to some of the early stages of developing a universal vaccine um would, would take at least 10 years now now, one thing I've got to mention, in, you know, in fairness, and, and, and because it's so important, is that, you know, they were talking about funding, uh, and, um, and it's not, you know, that funding for a universal vaccine is, is just as, as inadequate as, as is the funding for cellular agriculture, for, for this new industry can, that can, like, make us so, you know, safe from, from future pandemics. So, so again, the same rationale that I use um, 
to justify that we should be spending $50 billion to scale up cellular agriculture so that we can have these clean meat products, you know, these, these cruelty-free, pandemic-free products in supermarkets, health, you know, much healthier in supermarkets in two, three years rather than in 10. Because again, this, this new industry, like the universal vaccine, at the current, current rate that they're progressing, it may take 10 years or longer to, to scale up, to, to, to have these products be competitively priced, all right? So, so again, with the vaccines, um, I think, um, you know, they, they don't, you know, they may be investing several billion dollars, you know, in, in this, you know, effort, um, but they really should scale up, you know, at least 50 billion, perhaps even 100 billion, you know, again, and, and the, the, the justification is so clear, you know, uh, the Congressional Budget Office, as I've mentioned before, has predicted that COVID-19 is going to cost the United States alone, not the entire world, uh, about $8 trillion, you know, and, 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 and $50 billion is one half of 1% of $8 trillion, about that. So, I mean, it just, it's, it would be the height of folly for us to continue to, to play Russian roulette, essentially, with, the, with these viruses, to think, oh, yeah, we're going to be lucky, you know? No, no, you know, the, the, the experts tell us it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when, and we can change that, you know? If, if we ramp up this, this research, you know, basically, you know, one thing, one point, great point that, that Fauci made in that video, I think it's about an hour-long presentation. He said that the young talent, the biochemists, the genetic engineers, the, the engineers, the, the researchers that are required, not just for the vaccine, you know, to get a universal vaccine, but also for, for this new industry of cellular agriculture, they often follow the money, you know, and that they're, you know, and the money isn't, you know, if, if the money isn't there for the research, they'll go into other areas to do their work. So. So again, we really, you know, we really need to, to open up this discussion of, well, you know, what are we going to do to remain safe from this pandemic, from future pandemics, and, and, and how soon are we going to do this? Okay. Um, all right. Now, all right. I'm going to, you know, I'm, I'm still researching a lot. I want to just really solidify the understanding that the current level of research funding, you know, universal vaccine is um, 10, 15 years away, perhaps 20 years away, you know? And so, um, so if that's, you know, until that funding is available, you know, our best chance, and, and even, you know, you know, if you compare the vaccine with, with the, um, the, the prospect of eliminating completely eliminating pandemics by eliminating the farming of animals, factory farming, then of the two, eliminating factory farming and farming of animals completely is a much, much more effective means because like that's preventing the problem from happening. You know, whereas like, you know, even with the universal vaccine, for example, let's say that they get one, right? Let's say in 10, 15 years, and then we're, we're, we're lucky that, that, you know, we don't get another coronavirus before then. Then, um, 
you know, then there's the, the question of, of effectiveness. Our, our, week, our, our annual flu virus, you know, it's only on average 60% effective. And, you know, with, with these universal flu viruses, they're aiming for 80% plus. So that's still like, you know, one out of five people is not going to be um, affected. So do the math. I mean, the, the, the Spanish flu of 1918 killed 50 to 100 million people. So what, you know, that, that, would, that would reduce it from 100 million, let's say, the high count to 20 million who lose their lives. So, so even like, you know, even an 80% effective universal vaccine would, would only just mitigate, mitigate, you know, help us adapt to, to, to a pandemic. It, it, it wouldn't, you know, solve it. Whereas our best by far chance of remaining as safe as we can from these pandemics is to stop eating animals, farmed animals, and, and to, to, to stop farming animals. You know, basically what we need to do is stop our contact with these animals that, you know, that are infected with, with these viruses by bats, you know, and rodents and, and other wild animals. You know, we need to, you know, fortunately with our cats and dogs, we don't really have to worry about, you know, pandemics with them our pets because they don't have, they're not, you know, except in extremely, extremely rare cases in contact with wild animals like bats and all. But in factory farms, you know, that's another story. So, um, so again, you know, like this, 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 the, we absolutely need to attend, uh, the farming of animals. And so now, all right, we've gone through this, you know, for a few minutes. Now I want to turn to what really is the, the, the essence of the problem. This is, this is not fundamentally a technological problem. It's not an economic problem. Um, most fundamentally, it's a moral problem. For example, um, Cases are surging throughout the United States in places like, you know, like San Francisco. San Francisco is doing really well containing the virus, but then now it's not doing so well. The, the southern states, you know, they're, they're, they're experiencing major surges. Um, New York was the epicenter um, of the pandemic. Now uh, there are more cases in California, in Florida, in Texas than there are in New York. Okay, um, I say it's a moral problem because like, it's not difficult, you know, to understand the concept of distancing, of social distancing. I mean, you stay, you know, six feet away. But I mean, I, I walk, I try to avoid walking through downtown White Plains recently because so many people don't seem to get that, you know people walking in the middle of the sidewalk, okay? And, 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 you know, like, so you walk to a side, one side or the other, but then you only have like, what, maybe three, four feet sometimes. I mean, I will actually, very literally, I go out into the street all the time because like, fortunately, with, with a lot of businesses closed, there, aren't, there isn't that much traffic. And, and I feel much safer, you know, being 20 feet away from somebody walking out into the street, you know, around someone than, than to be subject to a person's, um, I would say it's immorality because, uh, you know, 
one, uh, one a person could say, well, you know, some people just don't realize how important it is. Yeah, but I mean, this isn't, this isn't like rocket science. This isn't, you know, something that's so difficult to understand. I think, if, if, you know, I think people do understand and they just refuse to, to be constrained so much that, that you know, they, they prefer their freedom to do whatever they want to do over their lives and the lives of other people. So that's, that's just one example of how now we're, we're um, making the pandemic surge. But it goes so much beyond that because the reason we're in this mess is fundamentally a moral reason. You know, for decades, for 50 to 100 years now, we've been, we've been so cruelly treating animals tens of billions of, of animals, mainly chicken, but also cows and pigs and, and, and lambs, sheep, goats, I mean like farmed animals. We have been so horribly abusing them for, for decades. You know, right now we abuse them the rate of 70 billion land animals a year. And, um, and an example of the abuse, for example, like egg-laying egg chickens, they're they're housed in battery cages. There might be four or five to a cage. The cage is really maybe a foot and a half by a foot and a half by a foot and a half. And there's maybe five chickens cram crammed into it. So together that none of the chickens can even spread their wings. And they spend their entire, most of their lives there, you know. Um, actually, no, they spend about a year there, you know. And, and so like, it's not just that, but these, these battery cages are stacked on top of each other. So the, the, the chickens on the higher levels of, are defecating and urinating on the chickens on the lower levels. Okay, and that's just one example of so much abuse that we are responsible for because we essentially pay people to treat those animals that way so we can buy our chicken, you know, less expensively. And, and incidentally, you know, because those conditions, not just for, for, for example, there's those, those are egg laying, egg laying chickens. There's also broiler chickens. Broiler chickens are housed in these like airplane hangar sized big containers that, you know, they're just kept there and the place is not cleaned, you know, for like, I think they're there for about seven weeks. And in those seven weeks, they're defecating and urinating all the time. And, and the stench is so, so strong that workers need a mask, you know, to go in there. Otherwise, you know, it just, it would be, you know, the ammonia would, would burn their eyes and all. And, and that's, that's just another example of how hard, the point with that is that, you know, the conditions are so unsterile that we have to pump massive amounts of antibiotics into these animals. The problem with that is that, you know, something that may actually be a greater threat to human health than these pandemics and even climate change experts are, are suggesting is antibiotic resistance. We're using so many antibiotics that the bacteria is developing resistance to our antibiotics. And, you know, so then when human, when we need them, when we go in for an operation, for example, because like the standard operation, they're going to give you antibiotics. So, you know, that's routine. But 80% 
of the antibiotics we use go to animal farming you know so like that's just that's just another example of how we're paying the price for our cruelty but my main point is yes this is a moral issue this is you know this is not fundamentally a technological or a political or an economic issue it plays out in those arenas but fundamentally it's about a a lapse in our in our conscience a lapse in our understanding and respecting of right and wrong you know of respecting human life of respecting sentient life so this is a wake-up call um yes we need to um invest much much more in universal vaccines if we're going to get a vaccine in time to save us from what would be the next pandemic yes we need to spend 50 billion dollars tomorrow to scale up cellular agriculture so we can get cultured meat products you know fish meat you know beef dairy in supermarkets at competitive prices in two or three years rather than in 10 or 15 years we need to do that but we can't do that without this moral component you know we we need to understand first you know how grave the threat that, that we're faced with is and 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 you know can potentially be much graver in the future and we need to understand that we um we need to demand these things you know we need to demand these things of ourselves and our politicians we need to demand of ourselves that we get we, we become interested in this we read books you know there are books about pandemics there are books about you know vaccines there are books about um clean meat let me see well, i'll find you the, the one that I've, that I've been reading is called clean meat by paul shapiro an amazing book it, it just you know this this new industry started in 2013 and it just goes through it you know give you an understanding of, of why this this technology is so amazing so positive for humanity in so many ways not just for these animals but but that's the reflection in other words like if you're staying ignorant of of what we're going through what caused it what we need need to do to get out of it and what we need to do to get out of future pandemics that's not very responsible you know we live in a democracy you have the right to vote you have the right to, to participate in the political process but if you do so from an indifferent uneducated ignorant standpoint that's not a good help and I, I understand yes many of you you know you have families to to raise and you, you have so many some some people are working you know more than one job just to stay alive so yes i you know i understand many people have constraints but there are many of us you know many of us who who are you know have advanced degrees you know have have master's degrees phds there are many people in, in the financial industries and in, in, in politics and in, in nonprofits that that it it is their obligation it's our obligation to to know this to know what's going on to know the details of this to to understand what we need to do so then we we can with knowledge you know not just you know with a kind of like ignorance a kind of like just well you know it seems like though i think they do but with solid knowledge then we can demand that our politicians um start doing the right thing 
Okay, so like, you know, this, this show is primarily about preventing future pandemics, okay? But let's, let's, you know, pull back a bit, you know, we may not be halfway through this. Okay, so relative to this, this need for us to, to, to strengthen our conscience, to become much more moral, much more virtuous, it's not something that we need to think about just to, uh, to be free of future pandemics. It may be the case, and, and those of us who are, you know, who believe in God or a higher power, which in the United States is about 80, 90% of us, we understand the morality. When basically, it may be the case that unless we right now begin to act much more morally, by getting informed about this, by demanding our politicians, you know, fund clean meat and fund vaccine research, you know, by, by doing much more than we've been doing. Unless we do this, this pandemic may go on for three, four, five years, may completely destroy the, the, the world economy as we know it now. And, then, and you know, I, I, I just, you know, I guess I suppose I, I should um, begin to, you know, people are probably beginning to write these doomsday books about what to expect if this pandemic lasts two, three, four years. And it's not something that I would, um, you know, want to, to do. For example, I, you know, I read years ago the, the, um, what happens to these animals on fa factory farms, and I can't read that, that material anymore because it's too hurtful. You know, but if you haven't read it, you know, you know just, Morally, I think you, you know you you should be aware of this now. But like with with the, with a book on you know like on how completely this an extended COVID nineteen distancing can destroy our our life, our way of life. Yeah, people are probably writing those these books right now. And no, I don't want to read a book like that. But but yes, if I'm going to present the information, if I'm going to be part of the solution rather than to contributing to the problem, then, um, then, you know, it's something to do. Another thing, um, there's, I ran across a study I mentioned, you know, I mentioned this stuff, you know, I try, I try to mention it over and over because like, you know, that's the point of it, you know, to, to say these things so many times that you'll finally get it. But th this story was about, um, they did a survey and, and they asked, you know, what, what group of people, people really disliked, hated the most, you know, and, and I don't remember what the top choice was, you know, I've got to go back and, you know, I'm sure it's pretty easy to Google and find it. But I remember the second choice, you know, the people that the, the people disliked the most were vegans. Now, if you don't get that yet, that tells you the extent of the complete immorality of people. You know, for people to hate, you know, because I'm a vegan and, and, you know, I don't know many vegans, but vegans, you know, we don't eat meat, you know, and, and eggs and dairy. Problem, some of us do this for, for dietary purposes because it's much healthier to, um, to have a plant-based diet. For I, I'm guessing the vast majority of us do this 
because we understand the suffering that these animals go through. And we don't want to be a part of that kind of system. It's just like we wouldn't want to be a Nazi in, in Nazi Germany in the Holocaust. We don't want to take part in such cruelty. And so for, for people, for people to, to report that they hate vegans more than, than, you know, than almost any other people except one other, whoever they are, that tells you everything you need to know about how morally depraved we as a population are. And I don't know if this study was done in the United States or across the world, but that tells you everything. We, you know, um, there was a book by a rabbi, Rabbi Kushner. He asked, the, the title of the book was, uh, Why Bad Things Happen to Good People. Now, I don't have much respect for this book. I, I read it and it's just like, it just didn't seem very insightful. And basically, I, I he, what, what he, what, it's what he doesn't really present and, as the answer, you know, nearly strongly enough, nearly clear enough. It's like, why do, you know, if you ask yourself, why do bad things happen to good people? The answer is so clear, so obvious. It doesn't really require an entire book to, to explain it. The reason bad things happen to quote unquote good people is because quote unquote good people aren't nearly as good as they believe they are. If you, if you believe you're a good person, but you're really eating chickens and, and, and hot dogs and hamburgers, and you know that these, these products are at such a cheap price because the animals that they come from are tortured, I'm sorry, you can't really call yourself a, a good person you know, in a very important way. Yeah, I'm, I'm, you, know, you may be a great parent, you may be great at your work, and, and, and people work hard. People, you know, this, this good, evil thing isn't like, you know, yes, we're a combination of both. But imagine a slaveholder, you know, who goes, you know, goes to services every, every um, Sunday, whatever, and, you know, and has slaves. Or imagine uh, an SS officer, a Nazi officer who's, 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 who's um, in a concentration camp, you know, doing whatever evil they do there, they did there, and then going back and being nice to, to their family. So yes, no, it, it, virtue requires, you know, kind of a, a pretty comprehensive enactment, a, a comprehensive expression. You know, you can't just, well, yeah, I'm good to my family, I'm good to the people I know, but everybody else, well, you know, whatever, these animals, whatever. All right. Um, it's interesting how this show is turning into a series of sermons. And because I'm, I'm beginning to think, yes, and, you know, it's, again, like this isn't, I don't think, a technological issue. I mean, it's important that you know this, this about, you know, cellular agriculture and about universal vaccines. Because, you know, your, this information can inform your morality, can, can inform you so that you make the right, right moral decisions. But ultimately, it, it really is a moral issue, and that's why I may be doing many more of these sermonizing type episodes. All right, so we've got less than 50 seconds left. You know, um, catch the show on White Plains Community Media, Monday through Friday, Channel 76, if you get Optimum, and Channel 45, if you get Verizon. And the episodes are also on YouTube. I'm gonna, you know, in the meantime, I'm gonna keep researching universal vaccines, um, and whatever else I can find that can help you to, to understand what we need to do to not just come out of this vaccine, you know, this thing as soon as possible, 
but to, and we can do this. This is not e even really that difficult. We can create a pandemic-free world, and that's the purpose. All right, well, I hope you're having a great Tuesday, and I will see you tomorrow.